0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House that Hinky Built podcast. As always, I am your host, Jackson Frank. And per usual, I am hosting this on Spotify Green Room. Uh, today, I'm going to bring on Daniel Olinger to recap the Sixers' uh, drafted performance. They drafted, they took uh, Jaden Springer at 28, Philip Petrushev at 50, and Charles Bassey at 53. They signed Aaron Henry to a two way contract. And it was reported this morning that they signed Dyson Knicks to a summer league deal. Uh, one of the one of the members of the, the G League Ignite team. So we'll bring on Daniel to break down some of these guys' games. I um, already talked about Aaron Henry uh, earlier last week uh, with Evan Zoucha, so we'll talk about him a little bit, but there is a podcast already available to break down his game and how he might fit on the Sixers, but uh, we'll get Daniel's thoughts on that as well. Um, so pretty, pretty straightforward episode here. Uh, just kind of talk about the three guys, mostly talk about Jaden Springer, um a guy that I know a lot of people whose draft opinions I really respect. Had him much higher than twenty-eighth. Um feels kind of similar to the Tyrese Maxi pick last year at twenty-one. So um we'll get Daniel's, you know, understanding and thoughts on, on Springer, and then we'll also kinda of talk about the the four other acquisitions they've made over the last eighteen hours or so in Petrushv, Bassi, uh Nix and, and Henry. Um as always, um, please review and subscribe. Um wherever you get your podcast means a ton to me, would help a lot always trying to provide the best content uh for you and i'm always welcome to criticism and feedback so never he- hesitate to uh offer those but daniel is here and we will get started uh just pretty shortly
1: hey daniel how you doing today hey jackson i'm doing pretty well how about you man uh
0: i'm doing i'm doing well uh beautiful day here in portland just doing some work and i've shifting into free agency but we're gonna we're talking about some more draft stuff
1: um yeah, wait. B- before we get started, I just want to apologize for all your followers who saw that it was starting at three. Um, blame the traffic in su- suburb, uh, the suburbs outside of Philly, which they decided to shut a whole bridge down due to construction. So, on the <laughs> drive back, which I was hoping I'd get back plenty of time, um, did not happen. So that's kind of why the delay. Just letting everyone know that.
0: <laughs> all right, we uh we will blame the traffic in Philly. There it is. There's the uh there's the reason, but um. I just before we get into the specifics of the the new additions to the Sixers, I just want to get your general thoughts on how they how they performed, how they moved. Obviously, they they bought a second round pick at fifty three. You know, just gen- your general thoughts on their on their day yesterday, and then also with the news this morning that they, they signed Dyson next to a to a summer league deal.
1: Well, I mean, just the headliner of the draft, obviously, from what they did was taking Jaden Springer at twenty eight, which I'm sure will be like. The majority of what this show is about, um, which I mean, I'm pretty sure we're both in agreement there was about as good of an outcome as you can hope <laughs> for, for as a Sixers, like a fan or a person just interested in their prospects of the team. It's just really great from a lot of different angles value wise, just at him as a prospect too. Um, I, I mean, when they first bought pick 53, like my inclination was, they might have, you know, been trying to just accumulate extra assets for some kind of trade, but obviously that didn't happen ended up selecting Philip Petrushev and Charles Bassey with picks 50 and 53. Um as you can get into, it is probably not what I would have done with those picks. I, I understand the reasoning behind them. It's probably not what I would have done personally. But yeah, the two UD, with the two UDFA signs or I guess of uh, De- 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 Nix is not technically like UFA based. I'm going to be playing for the Summer League team. Um, pick, picking him up is good. And then Aaron Henry right after draft. And Aaron Henry's a guy I really like having watched a good bit of Michigan State this year. So yeah, like Two Daryl Morey drafts in a row, and I've got to say, just as someone who generally roots for the Sixers, the best interest of the Sixers, I think it was a pretty good night yet again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it really is funny that uh, there, there's these back-to-back years, these kind of these combo-ish undersized guards that a bunch of people on, on draft Twitter love. Um, and that's not to say that draft Twitter knows all. Um, but I but I do respect a lot of the work that everyone puts in there, and I think they're generally insightful. But back to back years, these guys they love that you know a lot of them have you know at the least lottery. Some had Maxi top five or Springer top five. A lot of them had them top ten, and they just continued. And people know they're going to go later than maybe where draft would take them, uh, and they just keep falling, and then they fall right into the laps of the Sixers, um, which is which is funny. But um, Springer Springer is the guy this year. Obviously Maxi had a very nice rookie year. Um, but let's, let's talk about Springer. Let's give some kind of some general thoughts on some general numbers here. First of all. Um, so he, he played back, he played at IMG as a senior, um, pretty, pretty big prep school in Florida. Then went to Tennessee last year on, on a good Tennessee team lost in the first round, but they were consistently ranked. They were a four seed, uh, five seed, excuse me. Um, he averaged 12 and a half points, uh, 2.9 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 1.2 steals, 46.7% from the field, 47.5% on twos, Forty-three and a half percent from three, but that was only on about it was only on forty-six attempts. Um, but did get take uh, one hundred free throws, eighty-one percent there. Um, and so the, the general idea with Springer is he's a strong guard who can get into the paint, very very good defender. Um, the jumper is still a work in progress. Um, but let's get into some of the nuances there. We're, generally speaking, what was your, what is your perception of Springer? What kind of tier or caliber um, prospect did you have him as, and, and why do you like this? is pick and fit for the Sixers?
1: Yeah, so I didn't do a full big board this year. I just kind of didn't have the time, and I I was just going to make up stuff about prospects I didn't feel comfortable having a full evaluation of, but I, I did, like I published on Liberty Ballers yesterday, a draft day notebook of just guys who I thought were reasonable picks for the Sixers, like could be there, and they could have the chance to take them, given what I had known about the draft coming in and what I thought about them. And yes, yeah, so if I was like in a tier of the prospects I had, I basically had four guys who I thought could be there at 28 and honestly i did not expect springer to be there at 28 but he obviously was but the four players who i thought like would be very very good picks for the sixers at 28 were jared butler sharif cooper kessler edwards and jaden springer that was like the top tier for those level picks so, somehow they were all all four of them were di- there so i can't really complain to springer again <laughs> like it's just a but as good as an alchemist you can get and yeah it's just i mean i that's the thing i didn't I looked a lot more into Springer this last week because I hadn't been looking into him too much. I, I just really thought there wasn't going to be a chance that he was there for the Sixers at 28. You know, like, I just wasn't expecting it. But, you know, that's again, like you said, like, I didn't expect Tyrese Maxey to be there at 21, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, Springer's really interesting. Like, <laughs> I was joking about on the Liberty Ballers draft live stream last night how, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young for the group we had on there, and I'm still almost two years older than <laughs> Jaden Springer. So, that he's a very young guy, just a lot of, obviously, it's just, it's just helpful when you have a guy who's still that early in his development, and all the things you can add on, and like you were saying, just really, really strong for a, a guard, can move guys, Uh, probably one of my favorite plays I saw from him is, like, uh, BJ Boston, I think, when he closed out on him once, and obviously, BJ's a pretty skinny guy, where Jaden Pumpfake got him to move a little bit, then drove on him, and he, like, puts his hip into BJ's thigh, and just absolutely shoves him completely, like, underneath the basket (laughs) because he is that strong in his lower body. You just get get that kind of tank. And it's kind of interesting because, obviously, him and Maxi are, like, it's the same idea of somewhat of these combo guards with a lot of interesting skills that kind of, like, there's not a particular part of their game that's really bad, I would say, for either of them. But, um, like, whereas I think Maxie's, like, main selling point is just how athletic he is, both of his speed and, like, just a quick explosiveness off the ground. Springer is much more, you know, strength based and like pr- certain like really smart processing moments like that. So, I mean, that, and that's kind of the ideal of Springer being about like, I think six, four and shoes that kind of like helps in the future. If you're thinking playing lineups together, as Springer and Maxi, that they could probably work together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry. I thought I was on mute, but I was not. I <laughs> just could have just started talking. Um, anyhow, yeah, I, I think when you mentioned Springer's age, he doesn't turn 19 until uh, September of this year, um, which is quite young for reference. Jalen Suggs turned 20 back in June of this year. Um, and obviously Jalen Suggs, some people have them pretty close. So obviously Suggs went a lot higher, um, but point being is Suggs is a little old for the class, but Springer is super, super young, about 15 months younger than another combo ish you know, guard, um, with some strength based, you know, creation and whatnot, um, but the thing I really like about Springer is and I think you and I have talked about it when we when we reviewed some of the bench guards we mentioned, or at least I've talked about, it, I don't know maybe maybe you and I have talked about it privately, um, is they just needed more kind of strength off the bench. like they just didn't like Maxi is pretty strong you know for for a guard, but Springer's in a different tier of that you know George Hill is skinny, Matisse Thiedel is skinny, Shake isn't very strong. Furcon's not very strong. Um, you know they're just Isaiah Joe obviously is a fairly he's physical, but he's not a super strong player. Um, and so you're just looking at a guy in Springer who, if he is able to, to crack that guard rotation, gives you a different dynamic. Like just someone who really can kind of get it, be aggressive at the point of attack defensively, um, make some things happen as a, as a driver that isn't made it necessarily so, you know, methodically or speed based. Um, I think those are really nice things. And, and what I like about Springer's game is like, he has a really nice in and out dribble um, to, to get kind of downhill, but he doesn't have a great hand. Like it can be kind of rigid, but that's okay because he does a great job of like, getting to his spots, using that strength, protecting the ball. Um, it is really good about getting guys on his hips, really nice footwork and flexibility. Um, he is a pretty big or dominant two-foot leaper, and one of the issues with two-foot leaping, for anyone who's kind of curious about why that's something to point out, is that it can be a little tougher to load up you know, without a bunch of time. Um, but I like how Springer uses his frame to create space to load up, and if he can't load up, he's a very, very good interior passer too. Um, just watching, you know, just I watched some of his stuff throughout the year, um, and then kind of binged a lot of stuff this morning and last night, and I was just very impressed by by the way he makes some interior reach when he gets to the spots he wants to get. Um, because quite frankly, he just cre- he just creates advantages very well, and as Dan- Daniel and you and I know, that's something the Sixers desperately need from the perimeter. Um, and he does a good job of making the proper decisions off of those. I, I just, you know, based on what I've seen, uh, I-, I didn't ever feel like it was like, well, he's a He's like a flawed advantage creator in the sense that like maybe he can create the advantage and draw help, but he's not always great about capitalize on it. So um, obviously, it's going to take some time for those sorts of things to translate. Um, but I just like the dynamic he brings, and we'll get into some of the, the shortcomings as well. But I think that strength, especially in conjunction with the ability to create space off of it, and also be a good interior passer, helps a lot because the Sixers haven't had many good interior passers. I mean, Markel, you know, was a pretty good interior passer, but obviously he had his own issues that didn't really allow him to be a viable player um in philadelphia so those are the things i really like about him what from a safety perspective what do you think makes a lot of sense in terms of what springer brings
1: yeah i just wanted to it reminded me when you talked about creating advantages and then capitalizing on them or having something you can do out of them it reminded me of a our friend on twitter at ben uh, francis at ben thrifty i always have trouble saying that but he had a great point once about when we were talking about jeff teague during the playoffs how Jeff Teague still actually does create advantages because he blows by guys. He just has no idea what to do with them mm-hmm. once they're created, which I thought was just – i just whenever I think of that now, it's, it's just funny because I had never heard someone describe it to me like that, and I was like, oh, that's that's kind of a perfect description. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, James Springer is definitely like – and I mean, the reason that doesn't happen to Springer is he's very under control. Most of the time, mm-hmm. like, I would, re- I would rarely say Jaden looks out, out of control at any time. Definitely – some people interpret that as, like, less explosiveness because, like, it's moving a little bit slower. It's not like, you know, Tyrese Maxey jumping, like, 12 feet horizontally midair, like, or, I guess, towards the rim on his finishes, which looks, like, just a little more eye-popping, but Springer, like, you can see the explosiveness in that, like, some of those pro-hop moves he does to get to the rim, Mm -hmm. just really just getting through spaces like that, even if he doesn't have the most slither, that just kind of strength can kind of create that separation he needs. And like you said, um, just the strength inside, like not turning over much. He has unbelievably strong hands. <laughs> I like Springer. The hands are honestly what I keep coming back to the most because not only does he not like get ripped when guys try and dig in on the ball <laughs> when he's driving, you mm-hmm. we can. I mean, we'll go to more defense later, but like he's not only just like have he is he good at ripping the ball on hands on defense, he has such good like hand to ball tracking on defense mm-hmm. where. He see- when he sees it go out, he's just very accurate in where he's targeting the ball and that he really can just disrupt a lot of things through that and just that's just such a great skill to have because I mean like, it's obviously not the same thing, probably like a, it's just like I think it's it comes to my mind and I don't know if it comes to the mind of others, like you watch someone like Drew Holiday in like the finals, like yeah what one of Drew's best things is, he digs off of edges, like Drew's hands mm-hmm. are so strong, he just rips yep. it out of out from you and then it's very hard to take it away from the other end just that level of strength like strength is very important obviously like people can say that nba's gotten a little skinnier over time got a little more based on speed but you know still having that physical strength to either overpower opponents or hold your own advantage is very important and he's very good at both those things um the thing you said about the two foot leaping is very true uh it's like I think there was one play... I want to say it was against Georgia. It might have been Alabama, but I think it was Georgia, where he was, like, after they had created a steal, he leaked out, and they threw it ahead to him. And it was, like, the kind of thing where it's going to be a one-two-step, like, bang-out dunk. Instead, he, like, just leaps off... He has to take another step for the leap off, too, and, like, has to double-clutch it. And he, he dunks it home, but it's, like... It's, like, a rim grazer, barely. So, it's just interesting, like... It's just because you do lose some of that explosion when you have to, like you said, take time to load up. He, and because he's leaping of two, he's kind of like keeping two hands on the ball. It's very much him trying to use his strength rather than vertical burst. I think he – I want to say he only had four dunks in the season, according to Bartorovic. I think that's right. But, I mean, yeah, just a guard who – there's, there's so, you want so many players, like, you can create those advantages who have the handle, who – like you said the in and out, I think he also has an unbelievable jab step that can really create mm-hmm. those advantages from like when you swing it to him on the side. You just, I, it just creates so many things. Like we saw the Hawks kind of pick apart the Sixers because they had so many guys who could then create advantages themselves. And mm-hmm. just having more players like that, it's like, because like you're trying to think of those skills that don't curtail your off team offense in other states. So like they might be a strength for that individual player, but maybe having to play towards them can lower your overall offensive ceiling. But Springer is someone who I think is good enough as a spot-up shooter. Uh, obviously, like the volume needs to increase, the willingness to shoot, and just so- certain things of the shot is still not like where you probably want it to be. He's enough of a shooting threat that he won't compromise spacing, and then he is enough of an advantage creator that you can't just say, we're going to run it. Well, if we just sprint at him as hard as we can, we're fine, because once he dribbles, it's not a problem. Like No, if he dribbles, it's a pro- it can be a problem for the defense. So it's just... And then we, I mean, we'll get, get and talk more about the defense, but it's just offensively, it's it's helpful and it scales right into what they want to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head a lot of those things there. I, I think with regard to the two-foot leaping, even though it is a kind of an issue, I think what helps is he, he's aware of it, I think, because he does such a good job of creating space to leap off two feet. Um, I think that's really useful because, as you mentioned, like the lower body strength, um, for any for any sort of guard is ridiculous, let alone a guy who doesn't turn 19 for another two months. Um, and so I think that that's really useful as well. Um, and then as I mentioned, like even if he doesn't quite, if, if teams are able to, or defenders are able to kind of swarm him and take away that two foot leaping, he's a good interior passer. So um, and, and the hands, as you mentioned, the reason the hands matter is especially with the when whether it's you know playing on the ball to get to get steals um or playing kind of that nail position i think he's pretty good on the nail from from what i've seen um, is if you can if you can if you like i'm trying to how am i trying to conceptualize it without just showing it um, if you can stunt on a drive but only kind of shift part of your weight but you know that you can still make the same plays if you enti- devoted your entire body that allows you to recover better So let's say the stunt fails if you're still closer to your man you can close out back like stunt is a really, really tough thing for guys to get down. And I think Springer's hand strength really helps there because he can just distribute part of his weight because he knows that his hand is going to be able to disrupt a play more than most guys who might have to rotate their entire body. And they're scrambling to rotate back. It's an open, it's an easy swing pass and an open three. That's the sort of thing where the hand strength matters in that regard as an off-ball defender Um, helps him too. He's, I think he's pretty good as like a a rotating low man or, or, or on digs to muck, muck stuff up on the interior as a playmaker as well. Uh, but the thing I like too is, you know, the he's got really good footwork. I like him as a second side creator as well. I think he's pretty good. Like, you know, obviously he he much he's again we'll get into some of the shortcomings, but uh, one of the big things is he he much prefers to dribble and take a couple of dribbles and get to that mid range rather than take a spot up three. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the times when the ball swings to him on the wing, you know, when he's playing a secondary role, um, he's got a pretty good rip through. He's like he has a. I don't know if it's so much a first step, but he is good at getting past his man, which I guess classifies as a first step. But I think he just gets really low and covers ground and can kind of explode in that way. And he's pretty good navigating tight spaces as well. Um, but he's not shifty. It's it's weird. You met, like he kind of is, but he's he's just it's not that it's the same thing as like maybe like Kyra Lewis, right? Who was very good at navigating small spaces because he was so quick and slithery and whatnot. Springer's just different in that regard because, again, they're working from incredibly different endpoints of a of functional strength for a for young guard.
1: Yeah. Um, but, sorry, you're going you go. You yeah, go I mean, like, the... you, you mentioned Kyra Lewis there. It's like, because it's obviously your body type then plays a, a difference into, like, like maybe Kyra, it looks way more shifty because that's kind of Kyra's whole shtick as a way that you guess wrong with Kyra Lewis. He's so fast, like, he's just going to go by you but he kind of needs that space because you can get your like body into him he's so skinny you can kind of dictate what's happening whereas Springer like Springer because he's so strong if he's just being guarded of guys of like size like he just needs a you to guess wrong a little bit mm-hmm. and then need, yeah. and then he's gonna hold that and like I was saying the jab step I think he does a good job recognizing just the very basic things of a jab step like if a, if his man like if their top foot drops I have seen him being willing to pull those threes. Which is just a very good thing. Like if your guy's backing up after your jab, it's gonna it creates that space for you. And then if, then other times if they he jabs and they kind of freeze, he can he'll then just like stutter rip, go to his right, and then he has that little advantage he wants. So I think he is just very good at recognizing that. And again, like just having that strength, you do not need that much of an advantage.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned he's good at making you guess. He's also good at making you guess wrong with that footwork, right? Like he he, he is good about you, you shift your body weight one way, and then he's going the other way, and he's keeping you on his hip because, as we've mentioned already multiple times, he is super, super strong in the lower body. He can get low. Um, that's an underrated thing for guys is the ability, like the flexibility, the ability to get low, um, because the lower you get, the more leverage you have. Uh, and you know, More often than not, because most of your strength is going to come from the lower body. And so uh, Jaden is very good at tapping into that. Um, and so I like that a lot about him. Um, as I mentioned, you know, the passing there is good as kind of the interior. And that's something the Sixers haven't really had, um, but let's, you know, is there anything else you want to add you know, positively about the offense? Let's shift to maybe some of the things he needs to improve. Um, and then we'll get into the defense, which the defense, I mean, we've talked about the offense and the things he can do as a secondary creator. I do want to mention, I like him as an off ball player as well. I think he's pretty like the Tennessee use him on and off the ball, but I thought he was good at you know running through some screens and he has a little more scalability an off ball player despite being a guard because he is so strong and get some places and if you skew him into like advantageous positions in the paint the interior passing in the craft just in general comes up there um, but anything else you want to add about you know, the positive side of the offense when we we touch on some of the things that he needs to improve i'm trying to
1: think um yeah i mean like the passing is like i don't think it's game breaking by any sense or there can definitely still i think that sometimes he's i think he makes really good decisions with passes i think the speed at which he can make those decisions can improve. I think, like, sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes him a. Because he likes to, like, completely come to that jump stop and then decide. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, again, I appreciate that he's under control. He is. You are never going to, like, see Jane Springer playing, I think, and think, oh my gosh, like, we need to rein this guy in a little bit. This is getting, <laughs> like, he's starting to compromise us in some ways. No, like, Jaden Springer is, like, despite being super young, is, like, seems like an adult on the court. But he like I and then but he just like then don't, like come to that jump stop and he he has this weird thing because like he doesn't jump past them per se cause, like I think when people reference jump passing they mean like you're in the middle of the dribble you haven't come to a stop and then you leave your feet to throw it which I know some people don't like it I'm always like biased towards it because uh as I. As a five eleven guy without antenna ton of burst, when I played, like I kind of had to use it sometimes to like manipulate windows because I was just not I could not see them quite literally if I didn't do that. <laughs> but um, I he'll like come to a full jump spot, and then jump like to throw him, and he, he even does not like post entries. It's yeah. kind of weird, <laughs> but I I do think that's just like again I think it's positive. I think he does make good decisions. It's just you do sometimes need to speed up those decisions, is what I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a great distinction. Is that he makes good decisions, but sometimes those good decisions occur a little slow, more slowly than you'd like. And as a guy who's going to play an off-ball role, um, that's important. On a lot of, you know, I did this entire, this entire pre-draft kind of series where I touched on 24 different prospects, and a lot of them I talked, I, I asked whoever run on about kind of what they, how they would assess the player's decision-making speed or processing speed. Um, and I think Springer isn't like, isn't a glaring negative, but I do think it's something that could that leaves some room for improvement. Um, and as you mentioned, Daniel can kind of, it can kind of be conflated with always under control. But at the same time, it's not always necessarily like, it, it doesn't always mean it's a great thing for him, but um, just something to note for sure. Um, but I do want, I do want to ask this on as aside. you mentioned kind of, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you gave us a little insight into your own scan report. What's <laughs> let's, what's your, what's your
1: pickup basketball comp? Do you have one? Let's, I would be, I would be fascinated to oh. know this. Oh man. It's just, it really depends on the context. Cause like, for that, I went to like the smallest high school ever, so you know we had a we played like a one three one where most guys were around six feet and I was in the middle. So I, did, I I'm very intense during all pickup. Um, I also I will go for T J McConnell steals and I have gotten them. Um, I actually remember there was a pickup game at at a college once where uh, let's just say some some dudes were very mad because I did it twice back to back and I got it both <laughs> times, and they were very upset with me. So I'll do that some. Uh, I mean, it really depends. If there's, if I'm, I'm gonna set a ton of ball screens. If I don't feel like I'm that, one of the more athletic guys in the court, which doesn't happen, like absolutely, I, do, context, I do the same I'm, thing. A lot I'm of right a lot you. of ball screens because again, like playing. I was our main screen. I was like for our best players when I was in high school. was now playing in college. Like I, I would always send him some ball screens. So I got kind of good understanding how to angle those. So I'll, I'll do that mm-hmm. a lot. And I also, no matter if it's. What level of competition? I am. I will sprint for every single offensive rebound. There will <laughs> never be one offense. You will not get a free off like a free defensive rebound. If, I, if I'm on the court, I will try and get it So that's probably the most I can give on myself. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, I I think I'm not trying to. Maybe I don't want it to
0: be too too mean or you know, undersell. I feel like my my comp might be a little. I I I, I think Shake Milton is my best comp. I'm not. Don't have a great handle, not great
1: burst, but I can get hot from three. Um, do, you're probably you going like to beat you, me a lot off the dribble. Awesome Jackson, details. do you look like you need it? Do you look like you need a hug during pickup games? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point. I don't think I have quite the same uh, rivalry with the refs. Uh, I think I, I look. I mean, I'm sure Shakin' Joy himself out there, but maybe my my joy is a little more uh, discernible there. Um, but yeah, I think that's my bet. My best shake because I can get hot from three in some games, but. Um, I I struggle with my handle. I can get blown by off dribble. I'd say maybe a little better, relatively speaking, an off ball defender than Shake, but of course Shake is a vastly better player of basketball than me. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it would be a fun aside. But let's shift to some of the things he needs to improve, other than just kind of the processing speed. There, the the big glaring thing—not the big glaring—the thing they obviously need to improve is I think where he lands as a shooter from three. Um. Of course, he shot well from three, but again, there was only 46 attempts. Um, the volume wasn't there, and if you just watch enough of this tape, you can watch, honestly, just a game or a half, and you can tell he's not super confident letting it fly from three. Um, his mechanics are a little rigid. I think being like extending his range um, would require – not like – I don't think it's a change mechanics necessarily, but I think just extending the range and kind of the, the viability and, rep- and the replicableness – probably not a word, but we're going to say it is a word um, – out of that, I think, is important because, as I mentioned earlier, he's much more comfortable, you know, for the ball swings him on the wing rather than taking the spot up three there, dribbling and taking a mid-range jump over the top of guys uh, and whatnot. And so that would be the biggest thing for me beyond maybe the processing speed is um, where he lands as a shooter um, because, you know, I think volume is, is often a very, very good indicator of what kind of shooter a guy can be. And the fact of the matter is only about 20% of Springer's th- shots were threes last year. And, again, watching the tape, you can tell it's not really his strong suit. Um, so the big things for me would be, you know, cause he is pretty comfortable in that mid range area. Um, despite having, like his mechanics aren't bad. Um, but I think you can tell that it's not necessarily his most comfortable thing all the way up to three. And, you know, the line only gets farther, um, you know, in the NBA. So that'd be the biggest thing, you know, for me beyond the processing stuff is, is just getting more confident from three. And maybe that coincides with, you know, finding a way to extend that range beyond the 12 to 18 foot range where he's a little more comfortable right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And like you said, like the range, like, He's not taking deep threes. These are all like mm-hmm. foot on the It's a. Uh, I mean, Tobias Harris used to do this too, and he still does kind of Tobias like will only kind of shoot if he's like right on the line. Um, even have it. It's like even though Maxi like, the shot was something he needed to improve on, Tyrese Maxi had plenty of reps at Kentucky where you saw, oh, there might be some range here. Like, mm-hmm. Tyrese was like willing to fly, fire from deep if his team needed it. Um, I mean, can, Tyrese's whole like prospect year at Kentucky was like. Kentucky asking him to take a lot of difficult shots. But, um, yeah, I, one thing I found interesting when looking at just I just kind of scanned through the game log of Springer, was that in his first 14 games, he was 9 of 16 from 3, which is obviously a great percentage, but it's like, I mean, that's barely a 3 a game. Mm-hmm. But then his last 11 games, he went 11 of 30, which obviously, of course, worse percentage. But he was clearly more willing to take them down mm-hmm. the stretch, I would say, which I think is kind of good to see in a way, you know? Just kind of realizing. Yeah, absolutely. Like as he started making more action and it kind of like it just, I I just thought that was kind of interesting like cuz he had these I think it was Mississippi State, Kansas, Mississippi. He goes he did not shoot a three in any of those games. And then he takes yep. it goes 11 to 30 the rest of the year. And I think it kind of coincided with him getting a few a little more some more minutes with Tennessee cuz he wasn't starting in every game, but just but so obviously there's a little bit of a correlation there, but I think it was just good to see that like he did get a little more confident in himself as a three point shooter, and like you said, just being and it's not even just having that volume is like how good of a shooter you are it's just being willing to shoot can bend a defense I mean the most famous some of the most famous examples obviously is like they're not similar players, but to Jay and Springer, but like Jay Crowder has not always shot well from three, but because he's always willing to take them, teams will close out on Jay Crowder every time mark. Same thing. Marcus Smart was, has not always been a great shooter. He's turned into a better shooter, but because he was always very willing to take them, he still kind of could bend the defense in that way with his spacing. If, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think there's there's kind of a threshold you just have to get over in terms of the, mm. the ripple
1: effect of your shooting.
0: Obviously, like yeah, a guy who shoots 35% versus a guy who shoots 42%. The tangible, you know, the, the more shots you make, that matters. But there, but in terms of the floor spacing you know, and how you can bend defenses, there is kind of a threshold you just have to hit, and then. That that at least degree of it can be pretty similar, despite maybe a wide disparity in percentage. But yeah, as you mentioned, um, yeah, Springer's role increased. Like the you know dating. So in those first, well let's go, in the first, that's um, oh, not working. Okay, the first eleven games, played about twenty minutes when we started two of them. Um, you know, took about seven shots per game with a three and a half, and then um, even going next to the game against Mississippi State, even though we didn't take any threes. Um, over the next uh, 14 games, started 13 of them. Uh, took about 11 shots per game, two, three. So the the rate wasn't super high still. Um, but I, but I think you know it still bodes well that he got a larger role as the year went on and you know and get, got some more confidence there. But yeah, that's going to be a big thing for him is you know reaching it. Can he reach a threshold where um, he can really set up that ability to demand closeouts and then just get guys on his hips and pro and be under control and leverage that finishing and that interior passing? Because it can take some time. We saw with Maxi, Maxi. He obviously got a lot more comfortable as the season progressed with his jumper. Um, the results weren't necessarily way better, but um, you saw it kind of would be able to set up some more drives and just him being a more decisive player off the catch, whether it was taking spot ups or, or driving it into the rim and, and making stuff happen in that regard.
1: Yeah. And like even, I mean, it's the most probably, I mean, all six fans will remember that basically the Hawks kept going under against him in game six. And mm-hmm. he, he said, okay, I'm going to pull. It's the right decision. And he made yeah. me pay for it, which, you know, this just, it's good process it, that's a good process for maxi like i will not let you disrespect me with going under anymore i'm gonna force you to go over at some point so if i just make it up it's like um i think seth partner has explained this well like was when he talks about floaters like it's never that the floater goes in enough it's that you make the floater enough to make the big thing and then yep. it kind of opens up the lobs which is what you really want the at rim attempts and just kind of having that good process or doing certain things like that can just really work well for you um I do want to point out, like, because again, just scanning through that game log, if uh, any Sixers fan wants like to be feel really great about Jaden Springer today, like, additionally, like, watch the Tennessee Georgia game at- that was at <laughs> Tennessee. Jaden Springer has thirty points. He goes three for yeah. four from three, nine <laughs> and twelve on free one. throws. It's and I think what was this? It says three 20- steals, couple assists, twenty eight percent usage. Like, wait, he had a ninety percent <laughs> true shooting that game so yeah Yeah, if you want to if you want to see like the optimized if you want to see like the idyllic high end outcome of Jaden Springer go watch him dominate Georgia so just like I would say that's probably the game for everyone to watch if you're a Sixers fan Um, yeah but I I kind of think the shot like yeah I never think he's going to be like a heavy movement shooter or some kind of like off the dribble like nuclear weapon but I think that's I think he can command spacing I think that like I said with those jab steps he had a few reps where if he jabbed and they backed up he'll either he could like take a little step back or take a little just a kind of rise up from three there and just I think he's going to be able to command enough respect with the shot that just at least doesn't compromise the spacing which is really just the most important thing cuz the Sixers aren't drafting Jaden Springer to be like their main shot creator or the focal point of their offense that as long as Joel Embiid is in Philadelphia he is the focal point of the offense so that's not really important. I think it's just more important that you remain versatile in that sense and that there are not certain lineups you can't be played in because of either a, just a inaccuracy or just complete unwillingness. Now, I don't think he's completely unwilling. Um, and the shot is pretty rigid. That's probably a good way to describe it. Uh, just kind of like like similar to what I was talking about with his driving, like decision-making at times, just a little – you kind of wish it was a little bit faster stuff with Springer just seems to happen a tiny bit slowly sometimes like it's a bit of a process but again like 20 for 46 or something and then 81% on free throws he clearly has touch like it's the shot is in no way broken
0: yeah and i think i think what's what's important or not important i guess what you can what you notice about springer is like it, maybe maybe this is me reading too much into it um, and i could be totally off base but he looks like a guy who has like been training for a long time. Like He has a lot of calculated moves, for like patterned-out moves. Um, as you mentioned, the jumper is kind of a little bit rigid. Like You can tell he's been working on his game a lot, um, which is some of the moves that he recites to, to memory and, and the jumper as well. Um, but I think what's also important is... If we're gonna if we're gonna talk about like you know the eye test or the, the comfortability being a more determining factor of a guy's shooting ability, um, where he does look comfortable is from the mid range, getting into his spots, creating space, rising up over. Um, I'm trying to pull up the numbers. I had it here. Uh, yeah, so did want to back up. You said he wanted four dunks series. He was four or five on dunks. Um, but looking at you know Bartorovic, um, not great numbers uh, away from the rim on two pointers. But um, he shot 34.9 percent on those, but only 24 percent of those were assisted. Um, And that's just a spot he was comfortable at. So I think, you know, it it means that, like, there's some sort of off-the-dribble creation comfort right now. Now it's a matter of reaching that next step. Um, But I will say that a lot of times an underrated thing in the development curve of guys is they just become better shot makers sometimes. Like, that's the thing that happens with a lot of young guys, is, like, if they just get better at what they're already solid at. Um, And I think that's the sort of thing that if you're trying to find some shooting ability with, with Springer and If he's a little more timid from three, I guess the sort of thing like yeah, maybe he just eventually reaches that threshold where he's already comfortable with it at a young age, that he, but he actually kind of gets the efficiency to back it up, um, which can certainly happen sometimes. So um, that's what I would note there. Um, before we shift to the defense, is there anything else you want to mention just either that you like about his offense that you think could, could, could improve um, any, anything before we, uh, we shift gears to the other side of the floor where uh, he is very, very
1: good. I would say that with the shooting, um like going to the mid rangers, just something to point out like so those mid rangers, those are some moon balls he is shooting, like very <laughs> high arc. Oh those yeah. Things, he's like releasing it at a very high point above his head and then it just it is in the air for a good bit. So get ready for that. <laughs> um oh, I was I was thinking of a point here about his shooting. I think I actually I think it was like what you were saying with the shootings just in general, like and just with his offensive game in general. I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit he can get to, which is kind of the appeal of him. Is that he's already pretty good, but I I see just so many things like that he can still get better at even, and it it doesn't take too much of like it doesn't take too much of, like a wild imagination to see him getting there. Uh, I mean, our mutual friend PD Webb, probably the smartest draft person on the internet, but <laughs> by none, um, pointing out how in his I think in his stream was of of Jaden Springer. Like, he was looking at these guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Dylan Brooks, that are super vertically explosive, but they're, like, great. at Once they get an advantage, they are just masters with their offhand, swiping people away. And just how that kind of creates advantage. That's something that Springer can learn to do, kind of just knowing how to use your strength in that way. And just, I think another guy, it's, it's kind of funny, if you talk about young Springer is uh, Chris Duarte, the oldest prospect in the draft, nearly <laughs> six years, probably over six years older than Springer about. I, I'm not sure exactly, yes. but... but uh... About five, about five plus, five plus but, years. Because like, he'll turn nineteen September. Duarte just turned twenty-four. Like one thing, Duarte does, like Duarte gets an advantage on you. He is like slapping your way your hands with his offhand, like and just keeping them. At, it's something you have to kind of do as a guard at this level because it's kind of like allowed by referees. It's an advantage that's there, and that's just something you can add to his game. And like we said, with the three-point shooting, just being more willing to do it, or maybe he'll. I mean, it's better spacing in the NBA. Maybe a better offensive system. You can get. Like cleaner of cleaner mid range shots than the ones he's been having, but I just think that's what's so appealing about him too is just he's already pretty good, and I think there's some very clear pathways to improvement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say the stream you're alluding to, um, if you just search PD Web on YouTube uh, and scroll through his page, um, he did he has a, he did a segment leading into the draft called Let's Watch Film, uh, went in depth with a lot of very smart guests. Of course, as Daniel mentioned. P.D. is a brilliant basketball mind. Um, so Sixers fans are listening to this, um, just go on YouTube and search P.D. Webb and look through his channel. You'll find the Jaden Springer one. Um, he did, I mean, he, you're just going to have a, a level of understanding about Springer's game that you wouldn't have even from, even from what Daniel and I are talking about. I think Daniel and I are going fairly in-depth, but um, P.D. will blow anything out of the water that we are offering. So highly recommend that if you have some time, um, even just to watch it in bits and pieces. It's usually about an hour and a half long. Um, but let's shift to the defense um springer is a very very good defender um just from my kind of you know just from my impressions of him uh i think he's v- he's very good laterally super strong the body control is there as well um you know you we know, mentioned drew holiday i think that's one of the things that he hasn't com- i'm not confident in drew like i want to make clear um but one of the things if you're finding some similarities between him and drew is it's that body control right drew has such good body control rarely fouls on the ball um Sure has that kind of that that patented. He'll he'll absorb the contact from a guy and somehow separate the ball from their body and poke it out without fouling. Um, Springer doesn't have yeah. quite that level of mastery of it, but Springer is pretty good about you know, there's some really clean on ball
1: strips without fouling. Um, does a great job of cutting off angles. As I mentioned earlier, his hands are not f- phenomenal. Uh, Jackson, can I just can I talk about the cutting off angles thing because I really want yeah, to talk. Absolutely, about that. go go in depth as you want. Because this is like a pet peeve of mine. Watching some guys is when they feel way too comfortable like running parallel to their men as they drive. Like,
0: <laughs> yes,
1: um, yes. Like, they, they just have, a, they have a, 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 foot race with them. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, um, it's awesome. I actually think he's a very good prospect too, Keon Johnson, his teammate. And I think Keon's mm-hmm. like, I thought Keon was a fine pick where they took him. I kind of liked him somewhat, but Keon has this problem where he, he's like a little, and Keon's obviously, I think more, more like newer to basketball than most of the prospects in the class, but he's still like just, trusting his, like, vertical burst too much and just allowing his man to get his advantage. And, like, again, not to bring back to my playing career too much, but, like, I I point out, like, that my my one friend who's playing in college now, we've known each other our whole lives. We play one-on-one all the time. He is way more athletic than me, so I kind of knew I could never get parallel with him because his shoulders are so much stronger than me that if I ever let that happen, it's just going to be a layup, like, every time. I cannot do anything if he is not running into my chest when he's driving so, I have to kind of make do it all cause make sure that happens, and Springer is so good at that. he and I would say him and so two guys especially in this class do that to me is' like just very good at that were him and Franz Wagner, obviously defending different players, but just when guys drive at them, they are usually having to go straight into Springer's chest in his core. He is cutting off that angle, he anticipates as well, he has a good understanding of how his quickness and burst works so that he can get there in time and just does not let them hold that advantage. Uh, of course, he gets got sometimes. Everyone does, basically, at this level of basketball. No one's ever going to be perfect. But, yeah, that's the thing. Just the angle-taking of Springer. Just the, You're not going to see like him just give up a tiny advantage and give up a finish at the rim very often. He is very good at that already, which is just, for someone his age, is unbelievably impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, on a fundamental level, on-ball defense is is about not letting your opponent do what he wants or get where he wants or get where they want, excuse me, um, because more than just people identify as he play basketball, Um, but just not letting them get where they want. Uh, And and Jaden is very good at that. I think the best way to describe kind of that part of it is beyond just the recognition is he has very good short area burst. Um, Like he's not, He's not, like, super, you know, his hot, his top end is, like, incredible, but in small spaces covering ground, he's very quick and, and bursty, um, which I think ties into lateral mobility there. Um, but, yeah, and then the off the ball, like, he's he knows how to make rotations. Those super strong hands help a lot on digs and stunts and whatnot. As I mentioned earlier, if you don't have to shift your entire body toward a play as a helper, it allows you to be in a better position to recover just reduces your recovery time. Um, and, you know, half a second can be the determining factor between – um, you know, an open three or an open driving lane and, and not having one of those. So um, just very, very impressed in those regards. Um, I, I am curious, you know, one thing I don't have a great read on at this moment is kind of the screen navigation. Um, how do you feel about that, either on or off the ball? Um, you know, th- that's a huge thing in, in the NBA because most efficient offenses involve screens. And if you have very good screen navigators, you're going to be in a better position to uh, counteract that sort of stuff as a defense. So what do you make of that? Um, and then are there any things that you're looking for him to continue to improve defensively that maybe are are okay now or or you would actually identify as as shortcomings of his on that end?
1: I think it's definitely, like, an area he needs to improve in. Um, There were some times he would just... I think because he's not, like, as we said, like, super explosive, like, with his quickness, that he's just, like, not... You have to either have, like... I mean, there's some guys who, like, they choose to navigate screens just because of how fast they are. Like, when Tyrese Maxey does get around screens, if he recognizes them, well, it's because he's so fast, he just makes up that ground. Obviously, like, Matisse Theibel's kind of invented his (laughs) own form of screen navigation, where just trusting that he is, like, the best recovery guy there is, and that kind of ducking around them like that. I mean, we we mentioned Drew Holiday. Like, Drew's the ultimate guy, just, like, unbelievable ability to slither and stay in front. Of mm-hmm. people on screens, and that's obviously a level like if Springer ever got to that level, like sixer fans, that would be quite something. <laughs> because yeah, like Drew has never lost a matchup of chest to chest like in his life. It's kind of incredible. But um, yeah. So I I think just he does not like yet have have that quickness or the necessary slither to be like really great at it. I don't think it's like super bad. It's probably just going to be like normal rookie bad for his initial season. Um. And yeah, just whether that's, I just would want to know, like, I was person probably that the Sixers and their coach said, well, a better read on me, whether it's because he just doesn't have the super top end quickness to recover, or he just, maybe it's like a recognition thing, you know, in terms of just, you can compensate for that if you're really just aware of when everything's happening and kind of like making it, making it the ground that way because you're anticipating it. So I would say it's not like, it's definitely something I'm not saying, like, I, I'm trying not to come out to like, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but, uh, I think it's. I wouldn't say it's a strength of his yet, but it's not like a. It's not a very like. Such a negative weakness that it's going to keep him from getting like playing time, but it mm-hmm. definitely needs improvement. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not good, but it's not bad. There's 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 there's
0: a middle ground. There, I mean, the best battle discussions are, are very nuanced, and I think not everything has to be good or bad or great or terrible. And so I think it's perfectly reasonable to. I'll land there. I totally get what you're saying, and I hope everyone who's listening now, or as an episode, an episode after the fact, and the podcast, totally understands that as well. Um, but before we shift gears to the other guys, the Sixers picked up. Um, we're not going to give a ton of time to them, but I think that's fine because um, I think Jaden Springer is clearly the headliner of this and what most people want to hear about. Um, anything you want to you want to wrap up or touch on um, with with Springer before we shift to some of the other other guys that are in the Sixers uh,
1: camp for the time being? I guess I would just say that we talked about this again on the Liberty Ballers draft stream last night. Um, just even if you didn't know about Springer as a prospect of tongue coming in, hadn't seen him, just think you can also think about it like this, that he was a guy who, as we've noted, was much higher on a lot of people's boards than this and considered a very good value pick. So obviously that's just good process from Daryl Morey in the front office taking a guy who was valued like this, that could that kind of slid in the draft. And then also, just the interesting thing of we don't know, obviously, what will happen with Ben Simmons in the coming months, but there mm-hmm. was the idea of just, like, either maybe maybe what happens is uh, Jaden Springer is packaged along with Ben Simmons in a trade, but then you keep Tyrese Maxey. Or maybe Tyrese Maxey is packaged, and now Jaden Springer is your quote-unquote Maxey replacement. Obviously not one-to-one players, but he kind of fills the whole, again, young combo guard role that, that the Sixers kind of liked having. Just, it's very good. I think it's very good uh, process as a front office from the Sixers picking Springer last night. Yeah, and I think I
0: think the macro way for for me to describe why people should be encouraged by this pick or by him as a prospect is mm-hmm. he is a guy. He is an eighteen year old guard. He's very young for his class who already knows how to create advantage with the physical tools he has, can capitalize on them as a finisher or scorer or a passer, excuse me. Uh, and is legitimately a very, very good on and off ball defender. And while he's a guard, he is not a small guard. He's six, four with a six, eight wingspan. Um, like he is, he's not, a, he's not a six, one, six, two guard with a six, three wingspan. Like he, he is a very, very good defender. Uh, has a workable jumper. Um, but, you know, just again, I I think the best way to try and summarize things is from a macro level. And so, He's a guy who draws help, uh, knows how to play off of it, has a viable jumper to develop, and is a very good defender. and they get, And he's very young, and they got him at 28th over 28th overall. There's a lot of reasons to be and in, in, in excited by him. Obviously, Daniel tried to mention some of the things he needs to improve, but um, I think Sixers fans should be very encouraged by this pick. And as you mentioned, Daniel, it just gives them another guy if they have to if they upgrade the talent, um, like either if they trade Ben or if they. Trade ban and some other guys like you have another player in in the cards that you can feel confident about could, could give you some bench minutes. So um, let's, you know, let's, let's see anything you have to follow up on that. Let's, let's shift gears. To the other
1: guys, they would if you're, if you're good. Yeah. Well, do you just want to, should I just let you freestyle on Philip Petrushev? you your noted <laughs> friend of Jackson Frank, Philip Petrushev. Uh, well, I will say uh, it is cool to have a, a zag on the team that I cover. Um, you
0: know, Petrushev, Petrushev came from Gonzaga. He declared for the draft last year. Um, signed with Mega B-Max over in Europe um, for a year one, the MVP of the Adriatic League, I believe, if that's correct. Um, but was a different player. And honestly, like, I haven't watched it. I mean, I watched a ton of him at Gonzaga. Um, didn't watch Didn't watch anywhere close to as much of him at, at B-Max. Um, had a general idea of him. Um, shot 46% from three. I believe I pull up the number so I don't misconstrue anything. And sometimes it can be tough to get consistent Numbers on on international guys occasionally sometimes people will pull from different things um, but we'll go to real GM which I think is generally a pretty good um, pretty good one to use let's go international here um, so yeah in 32 games Mega B backs last year and there's different like just if you're curious like some some places will only pull from his league um, some places will pull from the international cups and whatnot they get into but real GM consolidates all of that um, he shot 46% from three 93 attempts. 71% from the line. Um, For my impression of him, he's like a pretty good face-up score. He averaged 21 points. Trying to pull up his true shooting as well. And 64.5% true shooting. So um, very efficient score with space from three. Um, like he's a good face-up score. You saw that internationally before he came to Gonzaga. Spaces the floor well. There's um, no okay case stationary passer. Um, not really much of like a, a proactive or reactive passer on the move. If he's posting up or driving. Um, really limited rim protector. Um, isn't, doesn't have much vertical explosion to him, has like a six, nine or six ten wingspan. Um, so he is a score first score, second guard or not guard making this big man for the most part. And it should be noted, however, um, that yesterday Rich Hoffman of the athletic reported that it's expected that, uh, Patricia will stay overseas next year. Let me double check that report. So don't get anything wrong here. Um, Sorry, let's pull up here. Uh, yeah, Rich tweeted last night, per source, Phil Patriciova is expected to be a stash pick. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my idea of, of him as a prospect. Again, he was a much different player at Gonzaga. Um, if you go and watch him at Verde or especially internationally um, with, with Serbia on the FIBA circuit, um, he was much more a face-up guy. Gonzaga is much more of a low post back-to-the-basket guy, which wasn't really his game. He's not super strong. Struggled against some, some big centers and guys who really stonewall him. Um, but really good touch from about 12 feet and in as well. So that's my impression of him as a player. Um, again, I think he's a good testament to why prospect- context matters for prospects. Really was not huge on it. Like, I didn't think he was much of a prospect coming out of Gonzaga, um, but he's, he's a much different player now, and so I think he's at least someone worth, worth at least getting a look here. But what are your impressions of Patricia as a, as a prospect, and, and, uh, and what do you think of the pick itself? I know earlier you said you were a little more skeptical of it, which I
1: agree there may be some better options, but um, what are your, what's your kind of perception of, of his game? Well, you've you obviously watched way more Petrusha than I have. Um, I, I kind of skimmed through it and, and binged some of it this morning. Um, I, I liked his, like, instincts for when to slip out of screens, when to dive, mm-hmm. when to pop. I think he just has a good understanding of that and does it with pretty good speed. Just in terms of, like, that, again, we're talking, like, processing speed. I just think sometimes bigs don't know the right time to roll, the right time to dive, the right time to pop, or don't mm-hmm. do it at the very right moments. And I think he has that part down which is nice to see, and like you are saying, the touch looks pretty good. They're willing to pull from three when he's open on those pick and pops, which is very helpful. The strength was a bit concerning. Um, I think they were, I was watching him against Sabona, and like um, whoever the big was on Sabona was just like kind of... He had some possessions. He was just throwing Petrushev around inside because he just did not have the physical strength to match with him, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... It, it's, it can be a problem in the NBA. There's a lot of strong dudes in the NBA. Uh, we saw... I mean, obviously Dwight Howard had his problems this past year, and especially in the playoffs, but for the Sixers, it did help that the Sixers just had two unbelievably strong centers and Joel and and Dwight Howard. That The other team is taking a beating every night if those are your two centers. So that would kind of be my read on it. I, and then, I mean, they took Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky with the 53rd pick, who I really have not seen probably enough of to give a full evaluation. Um, From what I have seen, I mean – you don't want to use the term raw too much, but like it does. Like I think his coordination and um, just like kind of overall footwork, especially down low, is a little lacking at the moment. Uh, definitely a very long and athletic dude, and this is Bassie I'm talking about. Just for the mm-hmm. listeners to make sure, um, he I do think I searched it today. He was second in the NCAA in dunks this past year behind Kofi Coburn with seventy. So you know that's always fun. But um, and has some like has some decent shooting touch, like from just very stationary spot ups, but. I'm usually just in favor of betting on wings with draft picks, especially mm-hmm. later. Just if there are wings available, especially wings with some good shooting indicators, those are probably where I would go instead of going for two guys who are definitely probably centers in the NBA. Uh, a short, uh, there's obviously always just like different th- differences of like contract negotiations, like what these prospects want to do, whether getting drafted or taking a und- taking a contract as an undrafted free agent. So we don't know all the mechanisms for that. But. I mean, you explained it to me too last night. Like just the taking kind of two low-cost bets on potential backup centers.
0: Yeah, and I think. I mean, the, it's it's no secret the Sixers as currently constructed are better with a with a backup five who spaces the floor. Um, just makes. It, I mean, again, it seems likely that Ben Simmons is going to be traded based off anyone who is very plugged in um, to things. But uh, I think it's it's never a bad thing to have a nice little compliment to Joel there. Um, and both Bassi and Petriusha, I think, can at least project to be floor spacers. Um, I watched some of Bassi early in the year when I was still doing a lot of drafts up. I actually kind of liked him, but it seems like there's been a little more souring on him. Uh, I do want to note, though, if people are looking for a little more of some video breakdown stuff on these guys, um, at SIS underscore hoops um, put out little snippets on basically every player that, you know, signed a contract, um, whether they're drafted or whatnot. So they've got stuff on Springer, they've got stuff on Petrushib, they've got stuff on Bassey, Aaron Henry, Dyson Nix, just really cool video work that explains some of their skills and why they're a prospect. So I would highly recommend checking that out on Twitter um, for a little more in-depth breakdown. But but yeah, I think like, I, I would be curious to know when Petrucci comes over. Um, like, I think there's some you got good touch, as you mentioned. Like I think that's something I hadn't really picked up on was the you know the screening and the ability to when to how to read the defense off of those. That's obviously very important. But um, yeah, with Bastia, yeah, I, I just don't have a great feel for me. Just I mean, it's just been so long since I watched him. But um, I did like some of his mobility, his um, maybe his ability to space out to three as well. Um, I'm gonna pull up his numbers here quickly because um, I think it's always good to bring a little. Quantifiable stuff to a discussion. Um, yeah, this past year, you know, he's he is super old though. I believe, if I recall, um, let me pull up. I guess not super old. My goodness, I'm going to date myself. <laughs> um, I just call it. I just it's, he's 20. Um, I'm 23. I don't know what that makes me then. Um, but anyhow, I he. I think there. Like, I guess that's not even old. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But um, he did play for three years. He's had some injury concerns at Western Kentucky, but this past year, over 17.6 points. Eleven point six rebounds, three point one blocks. Um, only shot about thirty two percent from three over his three years, um, but from what I recall, his mechanics are pretty solid. Seventy seven percent from the line. Um, and there's some stuff to like there. Um, I'm gonna try and pull up something else quickly, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I I wish we could give the listeners a little more insight on him, but um, I, I I just don't know a ton about him and. And whatnot but I think as we've both talked about it just the idea is can you get a, a cost controlled backup five and maybe spaces the floor a little bit because it can be tough to find um, floor spacing fives are usually a little more expensive or at least ones you can play significant minutes so that might be the hope there um, anything you want to add about either of them either philosophically or maybe or maybe some guys that maybe you would have preferred in those spots 1553
1: 50 um, don't don't include Aaron Henry because it's actually gone um, <laughs> I mean I was about to say like I I. I, I kind of prefer Aaron Henry to the two guys they picked. Um, yeah. Do, do we just the, want to go on is, Aaron Henry? Yeah. I, but I would be curious, like, is there anyone else besides Aaron I mean, Henry that
0: you would have liked at those picks that was drafted? Um, like where you said, Hauser your guy?
1: Um, what do you think? There? Yeah. Yeah. I like Sam Hauser a lot. Just as it, it's a six, eight dude. Who's an unbelievable shooter. Like yeah. give, even <laughs> given the physical limitations, that's just very hard to find at 1553. And then, yeah, I mean, it seems like Joel Ayayi just didn't wanted to go the undrafted route in the second. I have to think that's why Joel Ayayi didn't get drafted, your other Gonzaga <laughs> classmate, because I just don't think they're – and I think he's going to a very good situation for him in Los Angeles with the Lakers. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just – again, it's like the same thing. It's like – because my other big set for him was the Nuggets. Just, hey, are you a good cutter who doesn't need the ball in his hands that much in offense? Play with LeBron. Play with Nikola Jokic. Like, they will find you on these cuts. So, I – yeah, really, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you, confirm. though. Yeah, so, I, I, w- I would agree that those guys would be ones that I
0: would have targeted over um, these centers. But I think it's, a, it's at least worth, you know, if you're trying to do the most, not that you're doing otherwise, the web, but if you're trying to do the most honest and fair analysis, at least trying to acknowledge why, you know, or trying to understand the rationale behind it. But let's talk about Aaron Henry. Uh, um, we talked about him um, talked with Evan Zoucha on, on a previous podcast, but um, I would love to get your thoughts on him as well. Um, just why you like this, you know, they signed him to a two-way contract. He'll be at Summer League next month. Um, what do you like about his
1: game and why do you like this fit? Yeah, so I mean, Aaron Henry just they are they're just they're, the flashes get so good with Aaron Henry sometimes. Um I know that like watching some Big 10 basketball this year just he'll like when he jabs in some directions and once he changes directions, he can really get people sometimes of how explosive and athletic he can be in those areas. Um and I think his handle is for a guy his size pretty good. The shot is always the big question with Aaron Henry cuz It's just very... There are times that he he has the kind of thing where it looks like he almost is wearing a backpack while he shoots. Yeah, the posture is not great for him. But then he also... He sometimes will, like, splash on, like, both spot-up threes or even, like, off-the-dribble middies that look pretty clean. And it's like... Man, Mm -hmm. it's just, like... It's hard not to see it. Like, it's hard not to see some of the flashes Aaron Henry puts on film and think, man, if this really gets realized, what could happen here? So... Because he also, like... I think he defensively, like, he's always had the tools, and then this last year was really good on defense, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of hard to tell because Michigan State, as a team, was struggling very much on defense. But I, from what I saw, not, none of that was much his fault. He was, if not, like, some of his best deals were, like, covering up fires, creating other areas. <laughs> so, like, rotating off guys and just with his quickness, with his hands, kind of making it. They, he also has this weird knack for, so, like, he's pretty good at, like, finishing little floaters with his right hand. Even though he's a lefty yeah. as a shooter, he's much but, he's much better finishing. I think yeah, floater with the right hand and the left. Yeah, he'll like he'll drive left and spin back right and get get guys like that. Uh, I was about to say reminiscent of Ben Simmons. Um, sometimes, but uh, <laughs> but um, no, I think just again, like he's a an athletic wing who I think if the shot comes a lot more, you really have something, and that's just a I think it's a great guy to bet. And clearly, the Sixers had something with him because wasn't he announced like as a UDFA? Like, it was less than like a minute after the draft ended. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always waves with those that pour
0: in. I think they're
1: always kind of negotiated, you know, while the second the
0: second round unfolds. But yeah, but but I, but I agree. I, I you know, I, I I don't love the mechanics of the jumper as you mentioned. The posture is often quite poor from three. Just just I yeah. don't really feel conducive to the proper you know energy transfer and alignment you need. Um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's awful by any. Like, I think if you get him in the right development circumstances, he can be okay there. Um, clearly, the Sixers are. You know, I know that Matisse Thybulle is drafted in a different front office, but clearly, they're, they're okay drafting very, very good defenders um, who have a bit of a questionable jumper. I would say Matisse's jumper is farther along than Aaron Henry's, but um, there. I mean, there's just some concern that he, you know, never really shot well from three, um, or, on, or at least never on huge volume. Um, you know, about th- 33% on the dot for his career across three seasons at, at MSU. But um, you know, he's about he's about six six, I believe, like strong chested, moves well laterally. Um, just can really kind of overwhelm ball handlers. Um, I thought his defensive instincts as an off-ball playmaker improved this year, from what I saw. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. advantage passing is good too. So if he can reach a threshold of shooting that you know elicits closeouts, he's really good at passing on the move. Little shovel passes with either hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, like just pulling up his, his Bartorvik stuff. Um, you know, he shot forty six percent this year on non rim twos. Only thirty nine percent of those were assisted. So there's there's at least some like there's some shooting there off the dribble that has, there's a foundation of it. So, um, you know, that's another reason to maybe think the shooting is not entirely, you know, untenable. So um, I love this flyer a lot. Like Henry's a guy that I was always a little conflicted about as a prospect. Um, but I at least thought he was a, I at least thought he was a top 60 guy at the very least. Um, when I did, Mostly when I did a big board last year. So um, definitely a good value play at the very least really to see what you can do and see, get him in camp and, and kind of just assess what you can do with a jumper to, to get it to a point. Cause I do think that's the skeleton key for him. Just opens up more lineups and whatnot, but there's a lot of other skills there that I think are really enticing, especially the the versatile defense on the wing with his size.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm just I pulled up some of my tweets from him so I was tweeting a lot more about him during the season. Um, he had this like one move where when he would get it off the catch, he like fakes with his left, like as he like he like holds the ball out like jabbing out on the catch, like he's gonna drive off, then just kind of throws it back to his right. That kind of like crossover on the catch move. And it just almost always worked against college opponents. He's just got, because again, like he just had some like quick twitch change of direction. Uh oh, I also noted it. I tweeted at one point. Uh, when Aaron Henry changes direction like a boss, but blows the at rim finish. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that happens too. Um, I get, but yeah, just a very good wing flyer for the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just a really nice
0: pick um, or pickup, I should say. Because hey, even you know, if I was conflicted about Henry, it wasn't necessarily ever one of his biggest uh, prognosticators. I thought he was always a top 60 guy last year um, in 2020, which I thought was a better better depth of, of talent. They had a really good wing talent last year in that class. So um, just a nice play there. But let's, let's talk to the next guy, um, Daishin Nix, one of the, the members of the G League Ignite squad. Um, do you have any impressions on him that you want to get into? I know a little bit about him just because I watch yeah. a lot of Kuminga and Jalen Green. But um, what's your assessment of Nix, who was signed to a summer league contract? And I do want to credit the reporter who I found this from um to give them their their attribution. Um Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal is the one that reported it this morning. Um but yeah, what are your, what's your what's your kind of just a, idea of mix and what do you think of this as a flyer for the Summer League Sixers?
1: Yeah, I admittedly again I saw the news about Dyson like when I came back from that traffic. So uh <laughs> was was not too totally in tune to that and um I, I probably I have not watched enough of them to give an evaluation, but I just get generally a guy who came in as a pretty good high school prospect. Like I think ratings wise, and like what has like shown those flashes of body control, smart passing, like some manipulative stuff. Like I, I again, it's just like I think it's a smart flyer to take. That's probably just what I'd leave it at. I know that's not super in depth, but I again, <laughs> this is a move I like. Yeah, um, so Nick is like a, a pretty dang good passer.
0: Um, you know, can get in the lane. He's really big for his size. Um, I think probably a little bigger than you like, just based off the movement skills I've seen. Um, but like a really super strong guard um, really cannot shoot a lick um, really cannot create advantages. Um, shot 17.6% on three is in G league six of 34. The jumper's always been a problem for him only shot 46% on two. So he's not really compensating with a bunch of like really good inside the arc scoring um, doesn't get to the line, you know, 28 free throws in 15 games Um, it doesn't really have any sort of like burst or vertical pop. And he has a guard. Um, You know, he's not like a six, seven guy or anything. You can kind of compensate there. Um, I'm trying to pull up his height quickly. I want to say it's six, three, but I don't want to be wrong. Um, Six, five So a little bit, a little bit of a bigger guard, um, but not like huge. And so I think it's a fine flower. I was never really enchanted by Nick's. I watched him. I watched every G League game, Um, was focused mostly on green, but saw enough of Nick's to feel confident in my evaluation of him. I mean, I watched some of them in you know, pre-pre G League as well. And was never super intense. I got the ideas. Six five guy who can pass, but um, the passing is not super functional because his scoring gravity is is very limited, and he just can't really create advantages. So, um, if it sounds like I'm kind of down on him, it's because I, I'm not really huge on him. I get the idea of. I mean, it's never never a bad idea to bring in a guy who can pass with some size into the G League, but um, just I, I don't expect him to be someone that like you're wowed by in summer league. Even if the pa you know, he'll have some nice passing flashes. He can really make some nice reads there with the vision. Um, but just does not really have the athletic tools and the scoring gravity to, to really maximize or really even make those things consistently functional. So that's my general idea of Nick's. It's not super in depth, but, um, that, that's how I feel about him. And, um, so not, not by any means like criticizing the move. Um, but it's, it's more that like I don't expect it to be anything that really really factors into the Sixers beyond, um, summer league, but for his sake, I hope he, I hope he lands somewhere. Um, at least he did get, you know, a nice opportunity in the new league. So, um, I, I mean, he's good enough to play basketball for the rest of his life as he wants making money. Um, but not a guy that I, I think really factors into the Sixers you know, beyond the summer league.
1: Yeah. I would, I think you're pretty much spot on right there. Uh, but you know, still good, good move by the Sixers. Just, I think it's the right kind of player to take a summer league flyer on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also I called it the summer league. It's very weird to say, uh, it's summer league, <laughs> um, but that would, that would show that we are, <laughs> we have been talking for about an hour now. Um, Dan, I really appreciate you hopping on again, providing your insights. Anything you want to wrap up with? Anything you want to plug? Uh, the floor is yours
1: for a little uh, self-promotion here. Yeah, Jackson, thanks for having me on. As always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan underscore Olinger. You can read my work and listen to me at Liberty Ballers, either you know writing for the site or on the Talking About podcast, which is comes out every Friday for on the Liberty Ballers podcast feed. And I'm also the editor in chief at Inside on You. where we cover all things Northwestern sports so you can find me there too. And, yeah, just thanks for having me on, Jackson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always appreciate your insights, and I hope this was insightful for everyone listening. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, We're going to get kicked off with some some, uh, free agency stuff. Uh, Free agency kicks off on Monday, so I'll bring on a guest, and we'll get into all the nitty-gritty cap stuff and what the Sixers can do to improve. But um, in the meantime, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, But stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I'll talk to all of you again soon.